Hey, everybody. It's me, Wanda Thibodeau, and I am the host of the Faithful on the Clock podcast. This episode is our first episode of our new year. We just celebrated the one-year anniversary of our launch. And we're starting off strong by talking about how to overcome a fear of public speaking. I know that's a biggie for a lot of y'all out there, so hang with me, because I've got some good tips we're going to dive right into. All right, so today we are talking about overcoming a fear of public speaking. Or for all of you language nerds out there like me, the technical term is glossophobia. And this is an incredibly common problem. You might have heard from different places that people fear it even more than death. And there are a lot of statistics out there on it. But one source I found, which I'll link to, asserts that 75% of people suffer from this. So three out of four people, okay? That's a lot. And it's important to address because most of us today, at some point, will be asked to speak in our work. And you know, maybe that's not getting up on a stage per se. I mean, think about Zoom meetings or other platforms we use now, and how when you go to speak, they kind of highlight you or your window like you were under a spotlight. But whether you are giving a talk or just getting on the phone with somebody, being able to verbally communicate does have an influence on your ability to appear competent and to get ahead. Now, from the scriptural perspective, the Bible talks about truth and good communication all over the place. Matthew 12, verse 37 says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And then Proverbs 25, verse 11 says, and I love the imagery on this, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And the last example I'll give you is Proverbs 18, verse 21, which says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. And all of those verses get at this idea that what you say has influence and that it's important to take care to speak well. But with this fear, just like with any other fear you might have, I think the first key to moving forward is to ask yourself what the underlying anxiety is. Because for example, if you're afraid of spiders, you might say that you're afraid of spiders. But what you really might be afraid of is that their bite will kill you. And with public speaking, I think the underlying anxiety is that people will judge you negatively and subsequently that they will ostracize you and you'll lose opportunities or be forced to be alone. And that connects to this very basic need that people have to have a sense of belonging and to connect to a larger group to survive. So conquering public speaking, I think, requires you to address that basic need, but then to realize that that ostracization is not going to happen. I mean, 99% of the time, unless you've got some secret evil nemesis hiding in the back row somewhere, somebody who is there in your audience is there because they already want to hear what you have to say. You know, they wouldn't be in the conference room or be at your seminar or any of that unless they were interested in your topic and had some faith that you could deliver some information to them in an effective way. The very fact that they are there and listening to you shows that they are on your side and that they want you to succeed, that they want your talk to go well so that they learn something. And not only that, but remember, this is a problem for 75% of the population. So most people not only can sympathize with you, but they can truly empathize with you if they see that you struggle. 
Now, kind of connected to this idea that we are scared of being judged is the idea that if we do public speaking, then we have to sound smart to give a good impression. And so what often happens is we start to stuff our talk with a lot of unnecessary jargon, or we give tons of details where it's just not important. And of course, that just disconnects us from our audience. And so this is where the old advice from Steve Jobs and others comes in handy. Jobs was a big advocate of keeping your language brief and simple, ideally at an elementary school level. So I definitely recommend that as you prepare for your speech or presentation, you try to keep what you're saying as uncomplicated and conversational as possible. And one verse you can keep in mind here is Proverbs 10 verse 19, which says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The idea here is basically that the less you talk, the less risk you have of saying something that you shouldn't. That you need to think about whether what you're going to say is actually necessary or appropriate. And it connects to that idea that you don't just keep talking to hear yourself talk too, out of ego. To expand here a bit, Christelle Littlejohn has a great article on public speaking on Medium that I'll have in the show notes. And one of her tips is to worry less about sounding smart and more about being clear. And what I want you to understand is that simplicity, like Jobs promoted, that is just one element of clarity. Other elements come into play too. Things like your vocal tone, the connotation of certain words or phrases, things like that. But the bottom line is that at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, am I really communicating exactly what I meant to say? And as much as I want to say, trust your gut on this, don't. Because a lot of the time, we're too close to things to really analyze them objectively. And sometimes we can have the Dunning-Kruger effect going on where we really don't see our own flaws or incompetencies. So this is where it's really helpful to get some feedback. And the way you do that is by letting people read your speech ahead of time or doing some run-throughs with some people you trust to see what they think. And I know from my own experience that getting that feedback can really take a lot of the stress away because you already have an outside opinion that the talk is the best you can get it. You know, there's less guesswork about whether or not you've hit a high mark. Now, one of the other things that Little John talks about in her article, and I love this, she says to focus on the magic of transferring an idea from your mind into the mind of your listeners. You know, so your attention or focus isn't even on quality so much as it's on your ability to connect with other people and have an influence on the way they think and behave. You think about the fact that by choosing to communicate, you really can change somebody or change a community or even the world. And you know, professionals talk a lot about connecting to a deeper why with whatever you do. And we usually connect that concept to things like business vision statements. But you can use the same idea here and say, what is the vision I have for people by giving this talk? How do I want them to be after I leave the podium or shut my mic off? And a lot of the time, if you can stay connected to that purpose while you're in front of your audience, that takes the edge off too. Because then suddenly, the talk is not about you. It's about something bigger that you want to improve or to see happen. And just to kind of wrap up on this side of things, there are all kinds of really practical ways to relieve public speaking anxiety through technical strategy. Some people 
They like to memorize their talks and that keeps them calm. Other people, they make it a point to just memorize kind of the bullet points or outline what they want to say so that they don't get tripped up by having to say things exactly the same way every single time. And I know some people meditate before they give talks. I've had people where they feel a lot better if they can physically walk the venue where they'll be talking so they feel comfortable in the space. And a lot of people like to think of something funny to relax themselves. The classic example is imagining the audience naked because it's silly and it helps you remember that they're vulnerable just like you are. And of course, plain practice, just repeating your talk as much as you can, usually helps with basic public speaking jitters because you normalize the speaking process and everything that comes along with that for your brain so it doesn't seem as novel and scary anymore. All of those things really can help. But there's another side to public speaking that I want to talk about that almost never gets addressed, or at least my perception is that it doesn't. And that is what to do if your fear of public speaking in any way connects to some kind of abuse or trauma, because that is very different. And the strategies that I just talked about likely will not help you if you're struggling because of the things you've experienced. And this is incredibly relevant to the corporate space because statistically, We know that abuse and trauma are extremely common around the world. It's incredibly likely that you do have someone on your team who has suffered or who is suffering right now at this moment. And if we are going to expect people who have been through that to get up in front of everybody, then we have to do what we can to support them or we will actually cause them more pain. So just to give you an example of this, I will just be very open and say I do have that type of history. But in college, my major was vocal performance. And so even though it's not quite the same as public speaking, I still had to get up on stage in front of people. I had to memorize words to songs and all of that. So there were a lot of similarities. And man, I can tell you, I worked my you-know-what off to prepare well. And I mean, this was to the point where my accompanists, they didn't want to book any more rehearsal time because they just didn't rehearse that much with other people. You know, that wasn't standard for them. But I'm telling you, I knew my stuff. But when I actually had to perform in front of people, it was this totally involuntary thing where all of a sudden I just shut off. I kind of just zoned out in the middle of everything. And it wasn't predictable at all. It wasn't something that I could control. It was just a situation where my brain, because of my history, all of a sudden just said, nope, this isn't a safe place. This isn't a safe thing for you to do. We're just going to quit. We're out. And my professors would get so frustrated with me because they were perceiving me as just being unprepared. I was prepared. I was just going into freeze mode and I didn't have a good way to communicate the why of that to anybody. So the point I'm getting at is that if your inner critic starts yapping or if you on a subconscious level don't feel like you should be on that stage or in that conference room, wherever you are, you will have this battle going on where you want to give the talk, but the part of your brain that's trying to protect you won't allow it. Now, I wish I could tell you that there is a simple solution for this, but there isn't. The only thing that you can do is to commit to doing the hard inner work to resolve whatever insecurities or experiences are holding you back. You cannot take the old throw yourself into the pool to force yourself to swim approach to this. Do not let people tell you that you just need to get out there more and do it, just do it, because it is a matter of feeling safe and valued not a matter of repetition or practice. 
and what you need to feel safe and valued will depend on your own unique personality and what you have been through. Now, certainly things like talk therapy can be helpful. But what people are learning from the research on trauma is, and I've referenced Bessel van der Kolk's book on this before, it's called The Body Keeps the Score. But he points out that you basically have to retrain your nervous system so it relearns how to stay in a state of calm. And what the research says is that movement and interactive therapies can be really effective for this. So things like yoga, singing together in a choir with other people, sports games or dance where there's rhythmic movement, all of those things help to connect us and get us used to physically acting through what we feel. And you might not think that public speaking is a physical thing, but it is. We use our breath, the vocal cords vibrate, we gesture, and if we don't feel comfortable, our brains will shut all of that down. So I guess if you want to think of it this way, just remember that if you release the body, you can release the trauma. And once you release the trauma, you release the voice. Now, before I leave this, I want to make very sure that you do not minimize anything. You might say, well, Wanda, this can't possibly be my problem. I don't have trauma. Nobody hit me. I grew up in a good home. We had plenty to eat. And the first thing I'll say to that is one of the hallmarks of trauma is difficulty with memory. You know, where maybe you have chunks of time where you just can't remember. That's not to say that I think everybody is just repressing everything. It's just to say that it is a natural protective mechanism that the brain has. And the second thing I'll say is a lot of small cuts can still make you bleed to death. And what I mean by that is you can have a lot of what I will call small assaults. So for example, if you were a kid who got called names every day at school and there was no way for you to stop that, that is still trauma. And those kinds of experiences therapists now are referring to as complex trauma because it's not just one single big event. It's a ton of stuff that happens over time. If you want to think of it like drops of water on a rock, that's kind of what it's like where eventually, if that goes on long enough, those drops of water will wear the rock away. They'll still cause damage and they still influence how you feel about yourself. So if none of the usual strategies are working and you find that no amount of preparation improves your consistency, then I definitely recommend that you just consider what you have experienced and find movement-based interpersonal activities to try where you can relearn how to feel a little bit safer. So those are my thoughts on how to overcome a fear of public speaking on a basic level and on a deeper, more trauma-informed level. And I'll just round out by saying, no matter where you're at with this, or why you're having difficulty, give yourself time to improve. You know, I think a lot of the time we want to be good at public speaking right away because there's so much pressure to be physically present for other people. We don't want to wait to give that confident image. But it does take time for you to get the rhythm of it and to let your defenses come down. So don't be too hard on yourself and just know that you will get better if you don't give up on it. I mean, I can go back and listen to some of the first episodes of the podcast, and I definitely can hear how much more at ease I am now than I used to be. So just set yourself some small goals for each talk and keep looking for those small improvements along the way. So now, as I always do, I'd just like to invite you to join me in a quick prayer to close out the show. Lord, we know that words have power. 
you started the entire world with just a few of them. So I ask today that you give us peace as we try to get up in front of others. I ask that you will give us the patience to practice and to use good strategies. And for any of those listeners out there who maybe have deeper struggles behind their speaking, Lord, I just ask that you help them feel safe and remind them that they have a right to their voice. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, people, I think this has gone on long enough, so I'll give you a sneak peek of the next episode which is going to be about love versus emotional intelligence. In the meantime, sign up to support the show at patreon.com forward slash faithful on the clock, which will really give me the financial breathing room to produce more episodes and do more community building. And lastly, hopefully you heard it in the last episode, but I'll just give you another big reminder that we are moving to a bi-weekly format. So the next episode of the show comes out not next week, but in two weeks. If you go to faithfulontheclock.captivate.fm or your favorite podcast platform, you can subscribe to the show so you automatically get an update when that publishes. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, and until that next episode drops, be blessed. Like what you heard and want even more great Christian business content? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash faithful on the clock to become a supporting member for the show. You'll get access to options like early episode access, bonus episodes, videos, Bible studies, curated articles, and more in a tier plan that's right for you. Show your support for this podcast, and remember, enormous change can start with you.